weeks, for the past several weeks, Father Matthias and I have been leading a preaching series on the Kerygma, the basic gospel message. And we use the framework of Acts 29, led by Father John Ricardo. And this week, and during the fourth week, marks the final week of our preaching series, where today we'll look at and answer the question that if God has done something about our situation, which he has, how should we respond? Now, we could divide that response that Jesus asks of us into two categories. One, a personal response, and two, a more outward-focused response. Now, that first personal response is going to be that of faith. And the outward response is our mission. Now, together, these things make up our response to Jesus. But before we even delve into and understand what that response entails, we have to first talk about the one who makes our response possible. And that is the Holy Spirit. And so let's begin. First, the Holy Spirit. Reasons. Data and words are not enough to believe. Now, don't get me wrong, reason is important. And there are many overwhelming reasons to not just believe, but to think that Jesus rose bodily from the grave. But they are not enough. And we can see it just by taking a look at the end of Matthew's gospel. We see that before Jesus ascends into heaven, we hear this that the 11 disciples went to Galilee. And when they saw him, Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, isn't that something? Now, here we have the 11 disciples who are looking right at Jesus. The disciples who uh, have seen the nail marks on his hands, seen him uh, risen, who have seen him walk through walls, right? Jesus, who, and they were eating and drinking with him. Thomas even putting his hand uh, on the on the the side uh, mark of Jesus with a spear pierced through. And yet the gospel tells us, right, it doesn't say who, it says that some of the disciples still doubted. And you see, that's because something else is needed, or rather someone, someone who can convince us and enable us to respond to Jesus with faith and also mobilize us for mission. Now, that someone is the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? You can say so much, so many important things about the Holy Spirit, right? But just simply, uh, we can just start just by reminding us what we, many of us learn in catechism, that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, right? And to even unpack that further, right? Because I know we hear that uh, there's always... uh, uh, always not always more helpful, but here's a helpful way to look at this, right? When you look at the person, right? Think of this person answers the question, who is that? Nature answers the question, what is that? And so God is one nature, but he is three persons. So when you look at the third person of the Trinity and you ask, what is that? The answer is, God. And when you say, who is that? The answer is the Holy Spirit. What's more is that the Holy Spirit, he is the promise of the Father. Shortly after Jesus had arisen, he had told the disciples, behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. 
Essentially, what he is telling them is that something is about to happen to you. Which, of course, is he's talking about is the day of Pentecost. And as we know, the day of Pentecost is when suddenly these disciples, who had been very less than courageous, even though they had seen Jesus risen from the dead, they are so moved that suddenly they have been driven out to tell people about what God has done for them in Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit is also equated with power. As Jesus himself tells the disciples, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now what happens when they receive this power, the power of the Holy Spirit? See, they are driven out and Peter, Peter preaches the gospel message. And in response, right, the crowds ask Peter, what are they to do? And this is what Peter tells them. He says, essentially, repent and be baptized. And as a result of being baptized, he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we have all received this gift, this someone, uh, through our baptism. A priest once said, the Holy Spirit is in you just as heat is in hot water which is to say, everywhere. See, the Holy Spirit fills everything in you. He fills your mind, your imagination, your memory, your will, everything. Scott Hahn, Dr. Scott Hahn says that the Spirit is the presence and the power of God. In short, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is what makes it possible to live victoriously as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't play golf. Uh, in fact, the last time I played putt-putt, uh, I lost the ball in my one swing. <laughs> so golf isn't really my thing. But Father John Ricardo says that he is fond of a golf coach uh, giving the advice saying, try less hard. And that's because tension in sports, tension kills, right? It constricts your muscles and you can't play well. Right? And he says that's a great image for life is to try less hard. Now, doesn't, that doesn't mean, right, that we just don't care, right? It's just like, ah, it doesn't matter. I'm just gonna kind of take it easy and not take Christian life seriously. No. What it means is that what we're called to do is surrender. So when the Holy Spirit, because when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, we are able to live victoriously and suddenly, it is effortless, or at least it can be. So the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he convinces us that Jesus came to rescue us, to rescue me, to rescue you, right? He moves all of us to surrender, and he gives us a heart that is eager to go out and rescue others. Knowing then how the Holy Spirit makes our response possible, Let's take a look at what our response is. So as you mentioned before, we could divide the response into two categories, a personal, more intimate response and a more outward focused response. So the first response that we'll take a look at is the personal one, which is that of faith. The Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? See, God, the response God is looking for from us, what he is desiring, 
what he's thirsting for on the cross is that of faith. God desires our faith. But what is faith? See, it's not just a feeling, nor is it blind. Father John Ricardo references a college football game he watched where the coach was interviewed at halftime and his team was 0-8 at the time. And he said uh, in response to being interviewed, well, I just see that there's a lot of improvement in our team and that we're just going to get better. And the two guys back at the studio who were commentating on this interview said, well, I guess that's just what faith is. It is confidence in the absence of evidence. But you see, that is absolutely wrong. That is not at all what faith is. Faith is not blind. It is not confidence in the absence of evidence. In fact, to not have faith is to be blind. Because faith is a way of knowing. It enables me to see. See, if I don't have faith, it's like I have the wrong lenses on. And I look at life, for example, I could look at life living with a fear-based mindset. Anxious and overcome by the things I see in the world. I could look at the world with a distorted view. Faith is not blind. And it's not merely intellectual. Faith is not saying, okay, I think God is real. See, the demons think God is real. But they don't have faith. So what is faith? Faith, to put it in a simple way, faith is God's work in me to which I respond. To repeat again, faith is God's work in me to which I respond to. In other words, it is something that the Spirit of God, that the Holy Spirit does within me. And he moves me to understand the gospel story. He moves me and helps me to recognize the great magnitude of love of what, uh, that God has shown us on the cross. What God has done to rescue us. And of course, we have to respond uh, to this revelation, to this work of God in us. There's a part for us to play. But essentially, faith is God's work in me to which I respond to. Faith is also a way of knowing. See, it helps a person to see. You know, they could see, for example, how anything in this world came to be. Right? The first question uh, from our first part of the series, why is there something rather than nothing? Right? It, asks, it answers a question that science can't answer of why. Right? And if we remember what Father Matthias preached on, uh, one of the things is how God created the world as good. And how God created the universe and all the stars that fill it. How God has given us a purpose. Faith also helps us to see who God is and who I am in light of God. Also helps us to see how small our problems really are in comparison with how big God is. It enables us to see. But I think most especially, faith is surrender. Faith is, I give myself to you. It's saying to the Lord, Lord, I surrender to you, God, everything. I give you my imagination. I lift up to you my life, my body, every area of my heart. Which is why I think it could be so difficult for us to surrender and to respond in faith. Because I think many of us, because many people haven't really met God. Because how can we surrender to someone we don't know? And perhaps even some of us in the church, right? For us, God is like a rumor where we simply hear about God, 
we hear about someone who loves us, but we don't personally know him. Let's keep going about faith being surrender. Go deeper in surrender. To surrender to God is entrusting our life to him, but not just that. It also means letting go of the things in my life that I hold on to instead of God. Biblically speaking, these are referred to as idols. And what is an idol? It is anything that's more important to you than God. Anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. Anything that is so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would hardly feel worth living. And if we take a look at all, all our lives, I'm sure we could find that there's a lot of idols in our life. And how can we uh, figure out which ones are, are our idols? Think two easy ways. Take a look at your calendar and take a look at your visa statement. Take a look at your calendar. Where do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? And take a look at your statement, your bank statement. Look at where you spend your money. In other words, what is it that absorbs your heart? What is it that takes up, that absorbs your life? And again, I'm sure there can be a lot, a lot in all our lives, in mine and everyone's. But you see, that aspect, that's why with faith, which is surrendered to God, faith is also connected with repentance. We hear Jesus say, repent and believe in the gospel. See, repentance, some of us have heard already, but repentance, what it means is having a new perspective. It's a renewal of the mind, a new way of thinking, having God's way of viewing the world. And so when Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel, what he's saying to us essentially is surrender and let me give you a new way of thinking. He wants us to surrender our way of thinking and that makes us cling to our idols. He wants us to surrender to him the trust that we place in the things that give us security or peace or our confidence and exchange, give us his perspective. Help us to see how truly our security and confidence is only strongly rooted in confidence in God and our relationship with him. And that moves us on to the next part of our response, which is our outward focus response, our mission. And see, our mission essentially lies in bringing the goodness and love and truth of God into the world, infusing the world with his goodness. It's much like yeast that raises bread. We are, like, we are to be yeast or leaven, as Lord Jesus tells us, to be leaven in the world, where we live in the world. And by our example of faith, God through us, right, enables his goodness and truth, truth in the world to, be, to grow in it, to rise in the world, so to speak, from within. C.S. Lewis says that the story of Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed in disguise. And he calls us all to engage in a great campaign of sabotage. We as followers of the king, as disciples of the king, are called to this mission of sabotage. And what is it that we are sabotaging? The works of the devil. And what are the weapons we are using in this campaign? 
They're not weapons of war, it's not weapons of violence. What we are using, our weapons, are the truth of God, His goodness, His mercy, His healing, restoration, His reconciliation, His peace. In other words, we are all called to destroy the works of the devil by unleashing the truth and goodness of the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called, as Jesus tells us, to be light in the world, to let our faith and belief shine in this world, to shine in the darkness, and help lead people into an encounter with Jesus. And that is true in whatever state of life you are in, whether you are a doctor or a husband or a wife. And since we have received this promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, we can respond in faith. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and engage in this mission. But of course, this requires a decision. And this is what I'll end with. Right? To respond and become a disciple of Jesus means making a decision to follow his way of life, to learn from him, and to surrender one's whole life to him in faith. And this requires a decision. And we can begin to open ourselves up to what God has in store for us to respond, right, in the most logical way to what God has done for us by making an act of surrender. And so today, I just want to end by leading us in a prayer of surrender. And for those of us who are ready, for those of us who are just ready to open up our lives in a little bit, give God just a little bit of our life, right, or everything, wherever you are, and just allow God's spirit to work in you. Just invite you to close your eyes. And even to those who perhaps don't want to join in this prayer, I just also invite you to close your eyes. Just pay attention to what is being said. And so everyone, as you close your eyes, I invite you to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. To those who want to join me in prayer, I invite you to repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for rescuing me by your cross. I surrender everything to you. I surrender my mind, my imagination, my memory my will, my body, my life. I surrender to you all of my sins and ask in exchange for a greater outpouring of your love through the Holy Spirit and for power from on high to destroy the works of the devil. Amen.